but it's about the stuff that you're unaware that you you know you eat and digest you on the tongue it feels oh my god what a fantastic meal i am i'm loving it right but it's causing this tiny tiny chronic inflammation you feel bloated it's just something that is stressing your body and you're just not knowing what is causing it burning desire big ideas bold action so today I have N.A. Kusher on the show, the CEO of New. New is a, a, a new testing service here in the Netherlands, uh, testing all kinds of biomarker data for longevity and health in general. Um, I have actually, I'm actually a, um, a customer of New. I've done my blood work today on the show, blood work and genetic work uh, uh, microbiome. We'll be talking about that some today. This is a, a really exciting moment, not only for us on the show at Boldly Now, but also for in general medicine, the capacity for us to get our hands on data that was really, really at one point really difficult to get a hold of. Now we have companies like New coming up, doing new kinds of testing, and then sharing that data with their customers so that they can proactively take um, action on their health, proactively look forward into their longevity, and, and really be the captain of their own health ship and their own health journey or destiny. Um, uh, and a welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. It's it's an exciting time, yeah. Indeed, I agree with you very much. Now you've been in in uh, biotech for for quite a while, right? It's like a decade plus in in, in biotech companies. Decades, yeah. Basically, ever since my PhD, you know, I did I did PhD in molecular biology, and you know, as I was finishing my PhD, working on actually on rapamycins, which were kind of you know today one of the hottest drugs in 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 uh, longevity. We were researching yeah. it up in Cambridge back then for. You know cancer studies, but I was you know my PhD was on on rapamycin. After that, I founded my first biotech company, synthetic biology. You know, grew that over the many years. Uh, then founded the second company focused on developing drugs for rare metabolic diseases, focusing on mitochondria, and a journey into mitochondrial cell biology and kind of you know the diseases associated with mitochondrial failure led me to really really deeply understand kind of the processes that. You know, with these children who are born with those mutations, actually see very similar but very fast forward process of, you know, uh, kind of organ decline, tissue decline, health decline, as we see in aging, because that is largely to do with mitochondrial cell senescence, inflammation, and so on, right? So that really got me very curious. Right? Okay, so if we're developing interventions for children who are born with a genetic kind of, you know, condition, but have similar pathologies as we have, have as we age. Can we also do something about the rest of us to kind of prevent that that kind of failure of the decline of age, right? So this is actually, you know, I mean, this is my my fourth company in the in the space of you know a number of decades, but um, it's the one I'm I'm very passionate about, yeah, because it's it's really about trying to kind of reestablish that you know healthy abilities of cells to repair that the way that they are supposed to, you know, from the get go, yeah. So. Yeah, so we've had now genetic testing for about a little bit over a decade, I guess, since 23andMe came to market with that. And and then, in, at least in the States, we have the microbiome testing. Uh, Tolomer stuff is a little bit harder to get, get to, I guess. It's harder to do. And then, of course, blood work. We've been doing blood work in medicine forever. What was your idea to try to bring all of those testing together in one platform with new? Like, that's not what everybody else is doing. They're kind of taking one piece of this puzzle at a time. Like, how did you come up with that idea? And was it a crazy idea is what I would know. Is it just crazy to try to do them all at the same time? 
Yeah, yeah. So, and I think really that is the root cause of, of, you know, where we are still today is because that is challenging, of course, but we are a complex, you know, interactive, you know, uh, combination of, let's say, biological, environmental and psychological stuff that influences who and what we are, right? We are not just, you know, a kind of, you know, very... A superficial take on blood, you know, biomarkers, or we're not all about genes, right? Because you have identical, you know, twins. One is a couch potato that is worrying all the time. The other one is an athlete climbing mountains and eating well. You know, in 30, 40 years' time, they have completely different biologies, right? So genetics is just a potential or a blueprint of what the cell can do. And then we have, you know, in addition to, you know, tens of trillions of our own cells, we have hundreds of trillions of bacterial cells, right? Then we have only about 20,000 genes of our own. We have millions of bacterial, viral, you know, archaeal, uh, fungal, and so on genes inside our gut, our mouth, and so on, our skin. So we, we really are a totality of our, you know, kind of current biology as in terms of physiology, cellular structure, organs, and so on, our, you know, microbiome that we carry along our you know physiology our psychology our environment and so on that comprises who we are and so that really you know in a way fascinated me but also frustrated me i mean i started this journey you know purely you know as 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 yourself as well in a way is you know i was getting into my 40s i was starting to see that you know i no longer recover as as well as i used to in my 20s right i you know i i i can you know experience more of the, you know, evening fatigue after a lengthy day, you know, et cetera. And my gray, you know, my, my hair is thinning and graying and, and so on. I was balding for a while. You know, it's just, you know, it's it's the way you, and, and that's the kind of one of the myths of today is that we just accept that as an inevitable part of the aging and decline, right? But I was getting curious, right? So by then, you know, longevity was no longer taboo. We were starting to talk about the hallmarks of aging. We were start, starting to talk about, you know, that aging is a, a certain type of deterioration process, right? So when I started to look into what's going on with me, you know, it was just, a you know, kind of a pet project at the start, you know, so our family and friends, you know, from kids to grandparents and everybody else in between. And then, you know, but but what we did was we, you know, what we do today at NU is we sequence the genome, the epigenome, the telomeres, the blood biomarkers, the gut microns, on, but each data comes as an you know as a separate silos of mm. information that is you know uh completely disconnected from the rest of the data so for example if if you're seeing that you're you're experiencing some degree of chronic inflammation in your body or some you know metabolic you know dysbiosis and so on right if you just look at one set of data have no idea what is causing it right so you can be giving yourself drugs to bring that inflammation down but you're just basically muting the symptoms right you're not actually addressing the root cause you're not understanding the drivers right and with the drivers it's also important when you look at the totality of data everything that is contributing to that inflammation or to that metabolic or hormonal state etc you know i have to be aware of what's correlated so it's happening at the same time what's consequential so maybe it is caused by certain type of disabilities etc or maybe what's causative right so what is actually you know behind the scenes and actually creating the mess right so with that really seeing that you know it took a person with you know not just a phd but decades of experience in mitochondrial drug discovery and synthetic biology and genetics and so on to start really figuring out with himself what's going on and then talking to a whole bunch of 
clinical experts. How is a regular person supposed to get you know that type of information from a you know 23andMe genome or something like that, right? So with that, we kind of came to an idea. Let's let's try to build an engine that is able to decipher and decode that that totality and bring that together in a meaningful way that becomes understandable to the rest of us. So really to democratize that complex science. And, and what NU is trying to do is not just to, to, uh, to offer all of those tests and to be able to display all of that data, but to integrate all of that data together, like what affects your, you know, mood or anxiety or sleep or liver health or, you know, skin function and so on, right? So if I'm, if I'm thinking about that stuff, I want to know all the stuff that is contributing both on the good and the bad side. And I also want to know hacks and improvements and tweaks that I can do to make that processes as good as it's possible, right? So if I'm just seeing data, in, again, in verticals, it doesn't help me a lot. I need to integrate that and then use all the power of AI, machine learning, and all the clinical evidence of all the scientific literature, of all the public biobanks and so on, to actually bring that meaningfully to how am I supposed to improve my biology, right? And I think that's the, the biggest the biggest challenge right now. There's the, and in many ways, this is still a technology for early adopters. You know, people are really fascinated with this stuff now. And, um, you know, you, you look at it and you think about it. It's like, well, how do we get to uh, a mass, you know, kind of mass use of these things? And I think you're saying something that's very true. If, if noob starts to become some, some kind of a, uh, dashboard, if you will, dashboard for my health, dashboard for my life, then I can make sense out of my own data if I'm in relationship with it. Uh, and I think this is a thing that I, I think from new, I got really for the first time, I did 23andMe, whatever, a decade ago, and I could, you know, oh, good, I have, I don't really have any major, you know, biomarkers for cancer or whatever the, the, the things we were looking at at that time. And then I put it away. I mean, maybe I did a couple of surveys, but I literally put it away and I I don't think I've gotten any utility out of it. There's never a need for me to do it again. I'm obviously we did it again with new, but there's really a need for me to do my my DNA again. My DNA doesn't change. So the you know like as I'm still looking at what you guys are doing, blood of blood work of course changes from month to month. Uh, microbiome changes all the time. Our epigenetics and our telomeres are changing all the time, and these now become uh, much more indicative of something I can do something about. And I think that's what's starting to become clear is that if we can make this switch from Hey, I'd like to get tested and find out what's up with me, or or find out what my biological age is, whatever that might mean. And we'll talk about that in a minute. That I can start to sense, like, and, and news is an amazing dashboard. I'm, we'll put this up on the screen here and, and show everybody what it looks like. But it's an amazing dashboard. It's really coolly designed and really act, gives you access to these things um, that allows you to see the different areas that you've been tested for, what strengths and weaknesses are, all which seems very very actionable. But if I think if I start to have a relationship with that over time. Then I then I have a different level of agency with it, and I think that's what's you know like and those of us who have been doing some biohacking and already taking uh, you know longevity drugs and stuff like that we're doing it blind we're just completely flying blind we're just hoping and trusting that the stuff that we take is going to make a, a difference in five or ten years obviously it'd be much better to actually have some kind of you know month by month or year by year evidence so I'm really excited about that um, but tell us a little bit about this integration piece you know I I think. I'm still so new to the platform. I don't, I don't yet know how, um, and we can talk about my data here in a minute. I don't yet know how these things interact so much. So the things that are new to me in news testing are the microbiome stuff, the epigenetic stuff, and the, the telomere link stuff. Like, how do you, 
I mean, obviously microbiome, I know I've got different bacteria in my gut, good ones, bad ones, whatever, like epigenetics, like how does all this stuff begin to come together? For me, the consumer, obviously you, you're a PhD, you've been doing this for a long time, but how does it come together for me? Uh, I think I'm most interested in like what, what becomes something I can do something about versus just something that's information. Yeah, that's a very, very good question. So uh, I could give you a number of different examples, but you know, first of all, maybe to address what you said earlier, you know, I, I think what you mentioned is is very spot on. You start having a relationship with your data, with your, you know, with the awareness of of how your biology changes through time, right? So in addition to those, you know, purely biological fundamentals that we've been talking about, right? Nui is now working heavy on integrating that with also all the wearable technologies, right? So, you know, of course, we're continuously monitoring stuff like OVA rings or Apple watches. I've got the, you know, the continuous glucose Glucose. monitor all the time. I have a, you know, a, a ketone, uh, you know, uh, meter, you know, that I just blow into every morning and I can measure yeah, my, you know, kind of uh, uh, my, my either ketosis level or whatever once, once I'm, I'm in those parts of metabolic cycling. So you really start seeing, you know, how, how your body not only, you're not only seeing the fundamentals of your current biology and then say, oh, I need to change my diet because I have such and such gut microbes, but actually you're seeing your response in real time of how your certain types of lifestyle interventions based on your data outputs, based on your recommendations, when you see your heart rate variability improving, when you see your deep sleep, REM sleep patterns improving, you know, and so on, you're seeing your stress also from your you know, daily uh, interactivity with your with your body and data, right? And so again, when you just see your heart rate variability data or your you know sleep data, well, fine, okay. I mean, my my deep is short, my REM is you know scattered, and so on. What am I to do with that? You read online on Google some generic recommendations, right? But if you see actually, well, that connects with these types of you know kind of aspects of your diet of your metabolism this is in in your you know uh in terms of your genetics versus gut microbes this is what you should be doing actually in the evening routine right and then you see the measurable outcome how much that really impacts or not right then that becomes a so much more i would say uh, you know connects you to to evidence right because again what we want to avoid is you know that that on, on one hand, of course, the placebo effect, but on the other hand side, also that, you know, just jumping from one type to another type of, of you know, generic advice online, but without actually seeing the evidence how that works. Um, now, to go back to your question, in terms of how that integration comes together. So, um, let's let's take maybe just a simple aspect of your neurotransmitters, right? There is so many angles to what makes you anxious, uh, uh, depressed, you know, uh, happy. Maybe it impacts your mood swings. It affects your, you know, sleep patterns and so on, right? So let's connect that to the ability to create, you know, the key hormones related to those pathways, dopamine, serotonin, melatonin, and so on, right? Those have a large sequence of genes related to, you know, methylation pathways, to synthesis pathways coming all the way from, you know, the folate, so which is the vitamin B9 metabolism and so on, right? There's a number of genes in there that are known quite strongly in our population to vary on their expression level. So some are actually quite 
constrained and some are very highly expressed, which means that certain types of genetics can actually process those pathways very effectively and some don't, right? And so in some, in some cases, you can't even process your vitamin B9 properly. So actually have to have a methylate version, so methylfolate instead of folate, right? But, you know, let me try not to complicate the picture too much. There is, you know, in average, about 30% of our population actually has, you know, several mutations in the pathways linked to these, you know, key hormones affecting your, let's say, mood, happiness, and anxiety. Now, on, on top of that, you have a whole bunch of gut microbes that are, you know, known to produce these types of precursors that are necessary for synthesis of those neurotransmitters. You know, we've been learning so much more, you know, in the last, you know, maybe decade or so about the gut-brain connections so bacteria, you know, creating both synthesizing direct hormonal precursors as well as synthesizing like, you know, short-chain fatty acids like butyrate and so on and so forth, which are also part of the neurotransmitter pathways, right? So, and then on top of that, you have your diet, right? So you have you can be eating the diet that either supports that or doesn't, right? So you, you can have a phenomenally good genetics, but you can be starving yourself out, or you can have a relatively bad set of cards, but actually you can have a very good lifestyle and diet. So you still can, you know, sort of offset the deficiency in the genes by actually providing it with the right type of environment. You're meditating, you're eating well, and so on. So a lot of those deficiencies are actually avoided, right? So you see that also in terms of, so the genetics is what the cells can do. The gut microbiome is what the bacteria contribute. But then we're seeing it in your blood biomarkers, what is actually happening on the stress levels, on the hormones, on the key you know, nutrients and so on and so forth, right? So the totality of that tells us really your state, right? So we can learn about your genetic fundamentals and we can see from your blood, oh, and there's really a deficiency and we are seeing from your gut microbiome, oh, there's also not a very strong support, right? And then we can, we can actually also get from your feedback that you're inputting in questionnaires and so on in terms of your diet, hey, and maybe you're actually lacking those types of foods or supplements, right? So if you just say, hey, I've got these elevated hormones or I, you just tell to your doctor, hey, I've got an anxiety, but that's who I've been for my whole life, right? Well, you don't know much, right? But we've seen like, you know, just the, the simplest of things like, you know, I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous, but they've done studies where they've looked at, you know, chronically dep depressed people and, you know, kind of chronically uh, optimistic people. So kind of, you know, clinically uh, uh, diagnosed as chronic depression. And looking at the gut microbiome, and it's like just, you know, almost a completely different landscape. But there are a couple of microbes that are almost, you know, almost uh, non-existent in the chronically depressed people and are almost always present in the optimistic people. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that those, you know, those microbes are the key contributors to you being depressed or not. It just means that, you know, it's really, it's not just you are depressed. It means that your entire you know, um, let's say both biology and psychology need to be taken into consideration how we can optimize that and how we can bring that into a balance. So it's not just about, you know, going to a psychiatrist and, and meditating, but it's actually first you need to take care that your cells have everything they need, right? And once yeah. they have everything they need, you may still have psychological stress and you may still need to work on that. So it is biology plus psychology, right? But if the biology is completely screwed up, right? And if, if we don't provide it the right nutrition and the right support, it's really going to be you know, hard to come out of that catch-22 cycle where you continuously fall into that kind of either you know, mood or anxious or depression cycle. 
or take another example for you know maybe you know myself you know there's i mean we all know now the importance of vitamin d for example right the the the, the vitamin that you know it's basically a hormone in, in reality right but it, it's being synthesized you know uh by to some degree by also exposure to sunlight okay that's kind of the the you know simplest way of saying but there is also a lot of bacteria that make vitamin d and there is a huge number of genes related to this vitamin d not just the synthesis but activation uptake into cells and then basically regulation because vitamin d is actually affecting gene expression so on all these areas there are genes that are kind of part of the vitamin d pathway you know wow. either making converting transporting or you know sensing my set of genes is on the worst possible side of things in all fronts on making on converting on transporting on, on regulating and so on right so i'm like in the you know below in the lowest 20 percentile of the population well when you look at my blood without taking any supplementation any supplements my blood is okay on vitamin d level it's not perfect it almost cannot be perfect but it's okay and why because it looks because I'm, I'm taking good care of myself and my diet, I'm hosting the gut microbes that are very rich in the type of bacteria that are making vitamin D. Because it looks like, you know, once you take good care of yourself, there is some kind of balance in this type of ecosystem that establishes itself. When I'm providing the right nurturing environment to my, you know, microbes, they're providing the right type of stuff back to me, right? So it turns out I have a huge number of bacteria in my gut that are making vitamin D. Plus, you know, I am being mindful of taking that 10, 15 minute walk outside after lunch and getting a little bit of sun exposure, et cetera, et cetera. I still do supplement with vitamin D because I want to have it optimal, right? Yeah. But even if I wash out for a period of time and I kind of go without vitamin D, I do okay. So even if I analyze just the genome, right, I would imagine, oh, that's horrible, right? But I might overdose. You know, with just that information, I don't want to overdose, right? I just want to be right. Yeah. So we've got these layers. You've got the the data, and that shows up. We'll look in the app in just a second. It shows up in the data. It's like, oh, here's good things, here's bad things, and then there's this kind of synthesis in between. And on the app, you you deal with you know different areas of the brain, the blood, the different parts of the body, and so you do some synthesis conversation like that, um, and then eventually we kind of get the sense of what's going on better. Why don't we just jump into to my uh, data and take a look at what's there? And, and I'll I'll um I'll pop this up on the screen in the edit later, and we'll just um uh give some people an experience of what it would be like to if they had done uh, these tests on new. By the way, the tests are super easy. You get them in the mail. You do the you know the saliva test. You do um, a stool test. Everybody's done one of those before. It's not doesn't hurt. It's okay. <laughs> and then in our case, we're in the Netherlands. Um, a new centata, a nurse to draw blood. Uh, super easy, uh, the whole process from purchasing to getting the, the data collected to the data shopping in the app was um, uh, very easy and, and uh, kind of seamless in a way. So I want to congratulate you guys on that. That's, that's you know, you're actually having some customer service that you're having to do. You're not just a tech technology company. So I think that's fantastic. Um, and then you've got this beautiful app. I mean, I, I it's so unlike in a way, um, a, a, a biotech company to actually have a well-designed interface and a well-designed app. Um, and I, again, I'll, I'll pop it up on the screen, but as I, I'm reading here, it's like the brain, cardiovascular, inflammation, meta, uh, metabolism, bone, and muscle. So there's these big groupings that go across the different tests. Um, and then there's the biological age stuff, which I would 
get more curious to hear your opinion on those biological age numbers. And then I can drill down into each one of those areas, um, whether it be the, 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 the blood or the epigenetics or the genetics or the, the microbiome and see really different things. Now, there's a lot of data here. And it's, uh, if you're interested in this kind of thing, you can really spend a lot of time looking at every single thing that was tested and seeing what the response is. So you can go to a very granular level. But why don't you just take us through some of the things you see um, in some of the areas and then we can talk a little bit about how, like how I, how in the app I begin to understand how, you know, what that's, what that's communicating for me. And I think that'll give our, our listeners a really good idea of what they might be able to learn in the app. So you've, you've got my data, right? <laughs> I've got your data. Um, and I, I don't have the interface of your app because of course that's only yours. Uh, yeah, okay. You know, uh, as as uh, you know, with with your permission and the GDPR, you know that yeah. we have, I, I can I can see the raw data, but I can actually walk through the app. So, with that said, let me just say, you know, I, I really appreciate your your positive words on the app. We're still doing a huge amount of additional work to the app to make it even more, you know, interactive, even more easy to understand. So, in addition to what you're seeing here in these kind of you know areas, you know. Immediately, we want to flag up kind of the most important findings, the most important to do is like, these are your five take home messages. This is your you know, kind of your key hacks, et cetera. Because right now, as you said, it's still a little bit like you need to, you know, go deeper and understand and learn about it. Right. So every single thing that that is written there, when you go deep dive into understanding why certain recommendations, whether that is food or activities or telling you the stories about the genes or the microbes, you see there's a whole bunch of numbers. Those are references. You click on any of those numbers, it takes you directly to the clinical research papers, to all the scientific evidence and so on. So not, none of that stuff is without uh, evidence behind, right? So yeah. we don't try to make up any stuff, you know, but everything is kind of really thoroughly researched and everything is supported by the, you know, scientific literature behind that. So you can really, you know, if you want to see how do these guys know that, well, here's the evidence, right? But we, we'll, we're still trying to make the app, you know, more and more easy that, you know, even on the landing page, you get kind of the high level summaries that we'll be talking about right now. Um, so so maybe without that, you know, if, if we kind of look at high level in, in terms of, you know, just going down into uh, uh, into areas like blood, right? Uh, you know, you're seeing, you know, things related to, uh, you know, cholesterol, which, you know, tells us, tells us that you're, you know, currently, or at least at the time, time being, you've been pushing very heavy into your kind of ketogenic diet and so on, right? Which is great for a certain limited time of metabolic flexibility, right? But the ratio of your ApoB, ApoA1, you know, uh, cholesterols and so on is really kind of pushing it to the upper side of what the livers are feeling happy about, right? So again, while, you know, a standard doctor would push you to have, you know, statins as, at, at your, you know, cholesterol and, and, and LDL levels, this is not what we're seeing through the app because your ApoA and ApoB levels, which are kind of the carriers of the, of the, of the, uh, um, you know, uh, HDL and LDL particles are actually really quite, quite healthy. Uh, but you are pushing it, right? So you want to really make sure that you're kind of, you know, going into this kind of metabolic flexibility, going from, you know, a more well-balanced Mediterranean to eventually keto, do a fast, and then go again, maybe to a more okay. balanced diet. Yeah. And this, um, this, is, a, this is a detail that, that uh, you know, runs in my family, um, higher levels of uh, cholesterols and stuff like that. It's something I've known about for quite a while. And obviously, as you say, doing a lot of, of um, we, we, diet stuff. 
we, we see that also in the genetics, right? So we see quite a number of genes, again, to that same level. There's a, a certain number of genes also, uh, uh, you know, jointly called the FTO genes, for example, which are kind of the fat obesity genes, et cetera. But again, you don't, you're not fat, you're not obese because you are taking good care of, of yourself. You're being very mindful. So let's say you're genetically predisposed to, you know, you could be obese, but you're not because you're taking that good care of yourself, right? Then the second part, you know, your your blood otherwise is really good. I mean, you're you know you're taking great care of your of your you know uh, vitamins and, and your supplements, your nutrition. You know, most of your uh, we've discussed earlier. You know, with uh, with a mutual colleague, we saw that you know sometimes a supplementation can actually even be excessive, right? Exactly. So if you if you exaggerate, you actually can have certain things in your blood that are just too high. That makes your blood really struggle, your liver really struggle, and can actually cause more harm in the long run than than, than good. Uh, but but you're taking, you know, you're you're clearly, you know, you've been doing this for a while, so you have a, a good practice. You know, your most of your of your levels are actually really spot on. Um, now the only part where we are again again, uh, depending whether you know you want to share that or not, but. Where we are seeing a slight, you know, elevated uh, uh, status in your blood is the bilirubin. Yeah, and and you're probably familiar with that. And I don't know, you you probably also are familiar with that because we can see in in your genes there is a predisposition to the Gilbert syndrome. Yeah, which you know is linked to an elevated bilirubin. Yeah, which yeah. to me actually, I don't know if you. So you you've been familiar with that or not? Well, I I've, I from years ago, but there again, it's like data with no nothing to do about it. It's like, you know, it's a, I don't, I, you know, that obviously we, we follow, you know, specific diet guidelines and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't eat for that. Right. I mean, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like I think yeah. it's, again, it's, it's the old model. Like I have data with no, no capacity to really do anything about it. Yeah. But, but again, I think that the connection between the two is important, right? So maybe you're, you know, you are well aware and you are well informed, right. But for a lot of people who don't connect the two data, right. So seeing just high level of high level of uh, bilirubin might, you know, be worrying because they might think, you know, it's, it's something to do with, you know, a kidney failure or something like that, et cetera. Right. But when you see actually that you have the genes related to the Gilbert syndrome, that is actually really interesting because again, it's called a syndrome. But looking at longevity, actually, it turns out that that bilirubin can can actually end up being protective because it's also an antioxidant, right? So in the long run, the data suggests that it actually doesn't have any negative impact on the longevity. If anything, it has potentially some cardioprotective uh, function as well. So with that with that knowledge, you actually know that there is nothing to worry about the kind of the let's say impaired kidney or whatever, oh, I've got high bilirubin, it actually says, hey, this is my fundamentals. You know, I'm, I'm knowing that, of course, I want to, you know, track that through time that I see stability, right. but also I'm, I'm not stressing about it because I know that that's actually a very particularity of my genetic heritage, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. So, so on, on the blood, you know, analysis, you know, is, is all great. Um, what we're seeing here, again, on the on the on the blood age clocks, uh, we see your your blood is sort of in the area of where you are, and that is that is largely driven by a couple of things. So one one part is the uh, the you know cholesterol levels, which again are are something that you're familiar with. It's it can be part of the of the diet specific etc. 
here is where the science has limitations. And I'll, I'll be very honest about that. And we said we'll, we'll, we'll discuss transparently about all of those things, right? Yeah. Because the AI engines that calculate age clocks, right? Look at the totality of all the data, right? When you look at the totality of all the data, cholesterol tends to lean into higher risk for you know cardiovascular yeah. obesity and so on, lowering the, the lifespan. And so that does... In any age clock out there, it will drive the biological age higher, right? When we so way the way we will try to kind of continue continuously push on the knowledge of explainability of the biological age clocks is actually to to be able to see what is driving that and why. And if we see if if the engine can actually learn from your data that that those are your kind of fundamental bi biological and your physiology is actually taking care that that your lipids are actually the types of, of you know, uh, non-inflammatory uh, uh, lipids, right? Um, it will probably at some point start, start impacting that biological age to be less impacted by, by, the, by, the, uh, um, uh, by the cholesterol levels. But, uh, you know, when, when you just provide a single snapshot of a biology, right, uh, it would pick up, oh, very high cholesterol that is driving that biology to be uh, you know, potentially slightly older, right? Um, but other than that, you know, the 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 the, the blood age clock is is more or less in in tune with 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 your uh, with your uh, physiological age. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of the microbiome, if we look at the microbiome, the gut microbiome analysis, right? So we're we're seeing again a, a really nice diversity. You know, 82 percent of the gut microbiome uh, of of the population. Uh, so which means you know uh, your gut microbiome is way above average, which means you know you're providing you know complex foods, you know high fiber diet. You probably do fasting every now and then to clean up the you know the intestine, etc. So this is really all you know very healthy, and it's it's observed through the through the types of of the gut microbiome. Now the only two uh, the only two microbes. So let me see if I can see from the raw data anything. Uh, um, so I don't see, I cannot see the enterotypes. I don't know if you can see the enterotypes on, on your dashboard because, I, again, I cannot, I can only see the diversity in the species. Uh, but yeah, if you see the diversity species, um, let's see, how do I go deeper? If you see this? the enterotypes, I'm going into this test, yeah, okay, overview diversity enterotypes, yeah. <clears throat> says um 99.5 percent western food is the first thing it says um, okay and then um uh that's is that all it says in there i'm not really yeah it's inter yeah so this inter it's it's interesting because again while your diversity is really high it does suggest that that you tend to eat uh largely you know western style diet right so so uh, what is really interesting, you know, for example, so I, I, again, I don't know what what your diet is, but but uh, the well, we're talking know, the about gut might, lean, lean yeah. meats, lean meats and vegetables, mostly low low grains. Obviously, I'm doing a lot of the keto stuff, low grains. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, but a fair amount of nuts and stuff, and very very large amounts of vegetable consumption, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you do any types of you know fermented stuff or 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 uh, you know? uh spice uh related stuff you know uh, yeah. and so on so eating a lot of a lot of uh, uh spicy foods for sure and well spice foods uh we do we do fermenting at home uh don't eat it all don't eat interesting foods every day but we do yeah so 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 that's interesting then what what is driving what is driving the the you know prevalence of of the 
Western style microbes. This is this is going to be interesting to explore. So yeah. uh, because normally when 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 you do provide that diversity in terms of fermentation, spice, you know, etc., the gut microbes become even more kind of you know interesting to observe because they become more you know so uh, uh, let's say uh, broadly populated in terms of uh, um, uh, their style, their you know yeah. their their metabolism, their their uh, function, and so on. Yeah. But anyway, we can we can take that offline and just uh, just explore it a bit further. Yeah. Um, however, again, just you know, high level high level uh, uh, understanding is your your gut microbiome is really healthy. Your microbiome age is actually three years below your you know your your biological age. Uh, diversity is high. The only kind of lack in terms of species is that I'm seeing a relatively low prevalence of uh, bifidobacteria and blautia. The bifidobacteria are the typical probiotic strains. So yeah. even though they tend to be, you know, kind of uh, relatively prevalent in the kind of the, the Western uh, population, you know, again, certain types of foods and diets may, dri may drive them away. So we might want to repopulate a little bit of that by just eating the right types of yogurts. I'm more of a believer in, you know, live cultures, you know, uh, live yogurts and so on, rather than uh, pills. But, you know, again, you know, pills are good to start if, if uh, you know, that kicks off. But overall, um, pills don't tend to really have a very long-term effect. You know, they, yes. they are good for diarrheas when you travel and things like that. Uh, but what you want to create is, the, is kind of more continuous environment. The Blautia is another interesting one because Blautia is another species that has been, you know, very strongly correlated with longevity. So in, when uh -huh. you look at the populations of centenarians or, you know, really kind of, you know, uh, um, healthy age, uh, aged, uh, you know, citizens, so, you know, 80, 90 plus, et cetera. Um, so overall with age, Blautia uh, really drops down, right? So it's really declining in terms of the, the prevalence in the gut. Whereas with people who are, you know, living healthy for a very long time, Blautia tends to be a very strong player in there. And what's interesting in terms of its function, it has, you know, a strong contribution to kind of uh, uh, preventing the visceral fat. Uh -huh. uh, so it kind of uh, protects you from that, but also provides a significant support in certain types of, you know, kind of gut-brain connection, neurotransmitter pathways and so on. So a, a superfood for Blautia, again, I don't know if you do any of that, but it's been shown in several studies now, is raw chocolate. Uh, so, so that's so an eating, actually so, eating the cacao or... or... Well, or, or, you know, 85 plus percent, you know, pure, you know, nice or organic, uh, you know, uh, chocolate that that's been so well, that's, strongly that's the best news I've heard all week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, so that's, I mean, you see now a lot, a lot of people are, a lot of people are doing that, but no, but you know, let, let's, you know, we should, we should really focus on not the milky, sugary, fatty, et cetera, et cetera. We, what we we're talking really about the high quality you know, high polyphenol, uh, you know, uh, un, you know, as unprocessed as possible, et cetera. Yeah? But that's that's actually been shown in a number of studies, actually, to strongly support the, the population of the Blautia, which is a, kind of a longevity microbe, microbe uh, in your gut. Uh, there is a little bit of clostridium in there, which is driving a little bit of inflammation, you know, the CRP, et cetera. So that, that, that clostridium is driving, I think, you know, it's contributing. Let me just see clostridium. Uh, clostridium 
yeah, it contributes like, you know, a 0.7 years to your age. So while you're already, you know, th three years below your, your, your current age, that is, that is, that is kind of a, uh, you know, a, a slightly inflammatory species, right? So again, if when you, when you go into your, your gut microbiome, there's, you know, there's always kind of the lifestyle and diet that will tell you about the, the particular microbe. If, if it's, you know, causing you harm, there's ways of, you know, restricting certain types of dietary intakes to kind of, you know, try to limit that for a couple of months. And usually you will be able to get certain bacteria kind of to be pushed out by their competitors in the group. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Anyway, that's kind of going down the microbiome's uh, uh, path. Uh, then, you know, when we've looked at, at your epigenetic age, that was that was a, a, an interesting finding because that one turns out to be a higher one in your particular case, right? And again, that that actually also show uh, uh, highlights a little bit in terms of um, that what is being said today out there in terms of these, you know, popular uh, you know, science media is not all 100%, you know, correct yet, right? So, well, epigenome overall is a very, very important marker of how your, you know, genetic code is instructed what to, you know, uh, express and what not to express, what types of, you know, genes are, are, are uh, you know, uh, being promoted by which types of cells. It also responds on acute things, on a day-to-day things, et cetera, right? So um, what is important, again, with the epigenome is that we're starting to see trends in that, in that area. So while you know, individual epigenetic scores can vary higher or lower, what NU is actually right now doing, and that will be really exciting, and I think it's a feature that is coming within a couple of months, is actually to start really seeing not just the epigenetic age, but really the traits behind that. So really what was the driver of that epige epigenetic markers that gave a certain age score? Because there's, you know, right now, if you look at most of the, you know, uh, well-known uh, uh, age clocks, you know, like, you know, Horvath or, or uh, you know, Hanum or what, those are just numbers, right? What we want to know is, what areas of, of the genome have been affected by the epigenetic alterations, whether that is linking to inflammation, to your circadian rhythm, to your sleep pattern, to you know, maybe a liver detox or, or any other areas that are going to be showing us both in terms of, is this something that is a chronic situation and it's yeah. you know, really accumulating through time? Or has that been, that been maybe an acute expression of those particular cells that you know, in the next uh, iteration, actually, that part of of the mic of yeah. the epigenome has has been re re reversing, right? And I'm thinking so, we just so, came, we just come back. We got the blood test from from uh, two weeks on the road to Brazil and Mexico, and you know, there's like a, there's a lot of environmental you know, stresses. They're not. I don't find it stressful traveling, of course, uh, going to conferences and talking and things like that. But you know, the, I'm curious, and this is what's part of the promise of news. I'm curious now to. You know, maybe next uh, next quarter in the, the winter to do another test and say, okay, where are we at? Absolutely. Now? And what's what yeah, does that look like, and how does that change and alter? And uh, then we know that if it's like it was circumstantial, or we know that it's it's kind of uh, something ongoing, which is yeah, again, no data that I could have had my hands on before. In that epigenetic uh, score, then where is the tolomer linked data? How do we, is that something that's in there right now, not not apparent to me, or how do we actually know that? And then how do I interpret that if I had that data anyway? 
Yeah, so so the telomeres, the telomeres are a tricky one, right? Because again, you know, there's there's been so much spoken about the telomeres, um, but the reality is, I mean, we've we've done a huge amount of work on the telomeres, and the reality is, while we thought the telomeres are kind of a one way street, you know, in terms of shortening, the reality is the telomeres are all over the place. They're so, you know, they're they're continuously activated, deactivated the telomerases, you know, lengthening, shortening, lengthening, shortening in different tissues, different organs, and so on. So in reality, if you wanted to really build a strong telomere, you know, clock, you would actually have to sample across different tissues and actually right. a very, very repetitively. Yeah. So we find that that, you know, just a simple telomere analysis from let's say a saliva sample or even a blood sample does not really strong uh, strongly correlate with either age or uh health risk right so yeah. so that's that's actually a tricky one because then you know a shorter telomere length doesn't really tell you that you're either older or or more predisposed to risk uh, it's actually uh, you know much more uh so so i, I would and say I, that i did some i've got an endurance telomere sciences have still a lot a, a lot to evolve lot right to, yeah. in order to do yeah I've been an endurance athlete on and off my whole life. And I'd started doing some research into like, well, does that impact telomere length? Well, it turns out that it, it influences it both ways. If you do yeah. a lot of um, uh, uh, endurance type sports to up to a certain point, it will, it will support lengthening of the telomeres. But in, in, ex, in like very, very top level athletes, you get the opposite. When you start having people that are putting their body constantly into deficit, you actually find those people having. So I think that the, like when I first read one article, I'm like, okay, this is it. And then I read another article, I'm like, oh no, this is not it. This isn't it. It's, it's a, it's a depending upon the circumstances. There isn't just one thing that's good for this part of your body. And I think that's something that's, um, that's a yeah. And if you look at different organs, you will have different cells have different lengths of telomeres. And if you, you know, resample, you know, in repetitively in, in different, you know, uh, time periods, etc., they will be, you know, they will be all over the place. So it's, it's, it's. It's really not as solid as that yet. Yeah, the, the, the kind of the the the, the statements. Uh, I mean, there is a generalistic, let's say, understanding and and some evidence that you know things like you know fasting, things like you know cold exposure and so on can induce the telomerase, right? Because again, the telomerase has that evolutionary story that you know it it helps the the species to survive. So if the species goes through a lengthy winter period of starvation and cold and so on, a lot of the tribe members will die. Mm -hmm. So what you want to trigger is, you know, some degree of promoting the longevity of at least part of the tribe so that when, you know, some of those survive at the end, they can, you know, repopulate the tribe and keep yeah. on going, right? And that's also kind of an interesting evolutionary mechanism why we see we see you know huge uh, uh huge jump in in stem cell uh production when we you know come from that you know let's say even a short-term fasting period because again it stimulates the idea we've been starving through the winter you know we're now bone and you know skin right. and and yet at the end of that winter we need to go out and you know hunt the rabbit and hunt the deer but at the same time there's a, you know a bear or a cave lion and so on on the hunt for us right for us, so yeah. we need to both be the 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 predator and then avoid being the prey, right? So we need to rebuild the muscle, make the strong bones, strong bones. So there's a lot of evolutionary functions that do support a lot of these things. But telomeres, in terms of just as the age clocks, I, I think that there's a there's still some time, you know, some some space for us to properly 
develop knowledge to be you know solidly backing it i would i would not say it's it's as evolved as the epigenetic yet yeah, yeah and we know we know there's a lot of people talking about you know different ways to to increase telomere length either by um, um lifestyle practices like you mentioned or supplements and things like that and it's completely without any you know real evidence <laughs> no no, yeah, no yeah, longitudinal yeah. studies at this point in any of that and now we're hitting yeah. tons of stuff about peptides because yeah. of zemic and all the the sugar transport controls and all that stuff and again it's i think it's all real um it's a real wild west moment for uh, a lot of these things and you know we've got people out there um you know taking some of these uh drugs that maybe they're not they're not necessary for them in their time of life but they're doing them in the hope of getting uh, longevity of that. And I think doing that without something like new that will let you know whether that activity is producing any um, any beneficial results seems, well, uh, just blind faith, if nothing else. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm hoping that we can graduate to this point where we actually can get data and then make uh, either dietary or supplementation choices or maybe take on a peptide or something like that that might affect us some way, you know, kind of a larger reset. And then find out in two or three months if it worked versus what we're doing yeah. right now. We're just trying a bunch yeah. of stuff and not knowing if it's working and actually not even knowing if we might be causing harm while we're, we're yeah. attempting to do good. Yeah. So then if, if we go from, you know, kind of, you know, blood micro epi and so on to eventually to your genes, right? So, so on that front, um, there is, I, I'm just realizing, and, and again, Something that would be really nice to do, but you know, that would be probably for a different type of podcast because you would need to screen share. Like I said earlier, I can only see the raw data, so I cannot yeah. actually see your digital twin. Okay. The beauty of what we what we created with new is is really you know this concept of digital twin where you dive into your cardiovascular system, you dive into your brain and you see your mood or anxiety, or you go into your liver, and then you see the areas, and you know, you, you may show that later on uh in 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 the in the overlay but you see areas where you know the entire you know all the all the genes affecting a certain type of liver health or cardiovascular health are coming out and then you know the gut the gut microbes affecting the same and the bloods and so on and the totality of the story and then there's the know yourself part that you learn about all this stuff but there's also the change yourself like all the hacks all the you know foods recommendations lifestyle activities and so on related to your cardiovascular health or related to your mood or related to your anxiety and so on right so really the the idea of that digital twin is that becomes your interface with your biology with your body right i just realized um, I, I can share it on my screen would it be worth just taking a look at it right now to share the screen just so everybody can see what it looks like okay so here we have the um we read the, the the digital twin, and this is what you're talking about. This is the kind of cool an, an, animation of my digital twin. I'm I'm taking that that's just an animation. Now we should be looking at these things here, right? Yeah, no, but the, the animation actually is 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 simulating what is what is coming, right? Because uh, the way we're building the digital twin is really it's going to be an interactive, you know, interface where you're zooming in and out of your body, and every dot that you see there on the animation is actually a, a piece of data. Oh, wow. So you really are comprised of hundreds of thousands of data points. You're zooming in and out of your body, and you're seeing how data is coming alive in front of you. Yeah? So almost like a you know a metaverse style interaction with yourself. So, but but here, I mean, we've talked about you know the blood, the genes, and so on. We haven't actually talked about genes yet. So, you know, there we we can we can you know jump into that very quickly if you want. But now we can actually also go into your digital twin if if you prefer. So 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 for example, you know, since we've already done a deep dive in terms of the the bloods and the micros, maybe let's let's just do one quick look into into how we're actually interpreting the blood, right? So let's click into one blood biomarker. 
you know, the, the down in the tests. That one here, yeah. In the tests, yeah. So, so for example, here, uh, uh, you know, maybe you can you can just click on the first one, the alanine transaminase, for example, right? Or you know, so here it will tell you. Uh, so this is let's say alkaline phosph uh, phosphatase, yeah. Um, so so um, here you would see the gray area is what would be a typical reference range from a path lab, right? Yeah. But the green area is actually what the optimal results are for a you know, person of your sex, age, and ethnicity, right? So it really is about we want to get markers into an optimal stage rather than just being, you know, reference and not not disease, right? So if you yeah. if you zoom, if you go down, you always see, you know, the explanation in terms of, you know, this is what we know about this marker. There's literature behind that, and there's always going to be some kind of lifestyle and diet that will talk about, you know this particular bar biomarker, what is affecting it, right? So when you're clicking on those, you're learning more. If you go out, maybe, uh, uh, back, back. Uh, so just click on the alkaline phosphatase. You just, there's alkaline phosphatase. No, just, just. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, you, you go back out. Go the, go one below because that one is, like, for example, in the reference, yeah? So yeah. here you will see that one you were in the optimal uh, area. Here yeah. you're, you're still okay-ish. But you're no longer optimal, for example, right? So you can you can again read about it. You go down, you learn about the you know all the you know science behind it. You can click on literature. But when you go further down the lifestyle and diet, yeah, you can you can learn about you know what what types of activities are affecting this particular biomarker, right? So you can be learning about this level of detail when you go through this story. So if you go up, yeah, you know, so every biomarker will be showing you. Uh, we'll be showing you these different aspects of, you know, what is known as a reference, what is known as an optimal, what's your data, what's your and then, yeah. you know, with more data that you provide, you will start seeing trends. And so right. if we go out, you know, we can see uh, in, also in terms of trends, you will be seeing in groups. So up, up there you have groups. You can see about the liver, the kidney, the hormones, and so on. So again, here you can click on any one of these, like HbA1c or whatever. Yeah. You know, you you'll be seeing the same the same kind of data. So it's a really you know really detailed data. You learn all about the biomarkers. You learn about what's the optimal range, and 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 where you are out of in, you know in that range and what you can do about that, right? Yeah. And we had talked about the bilirubin before, cholesterol yeah, yeah. before. Yeah. 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 Okay. So if we go if we go if we go maybe to your to your genes, to your genome. Oh, where is that? Uh, it's right here. Okay. Great. This one, yes. So this one will be kind of, you know, similarly structured. You can look at different areas on the left. You can be focusing on different functions like, you know, liver, kidney, you know, inflammation and so on. You can be learning about different, you know, aspects of it, like, you know, areas to focus on areas. As, as you can see, there is no red genes, you know, in our, in our interpretation, there's, you know, there's things that are really your strengths that are things that are sort of, you know, neutral, you know, um, as they should be. And then there are genes that, you know, maybe you should pay some attention to. They're your focus genes. They're, they're areas that you should be aware of. And there's a huge number of these. So maybe if we go up and we just say, just, you know, just select, you know, genes with the focus group, right? Yeah. There's this. Um, there, so uh, we can go I'm up. We can go, all the, we can go all the way to the top. We can uh -huh. say not any area. We can say any effect. And there you say focus, right? Focus. Okay, great. Okay. Just give me these guys, right? Just give me the ones that I should learn more about them, right? So yeah. here, when I'm when I'm kind of strolling through these guys, and I've done a, a quick review before of that, for example. So a lot of these are are you know uh, again we can learn about these, etc. 
but you know what I've learned uh, quickly reviewing so to shorten the time of that. Of course, you'll be seeing a number of of these you know FTOs and so on. But for example, these MTHFR, you know that that's an important one uh, in the folate metabolism, right? This one here, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you click on that one, you know it will tell you all about you know. So this guy is. So for, you know, you scroll down, you learn about you know what it does in the lifestyle and diet below, right? Uh, the reason why I'm pointing him is even though this one is just partially affected, so you have an AG genotype, which means you got one version from your dad, one version yeah. from your mom, mom. So it's just partially affected. But it's one of those that I mentioned to you earlier in that folate pathway, right? Yeah. That is a precursor to. Uh, you know, your choline synthesis, your hormone, you know, uh, uh, synthesis, et cetera, yeah? um, including the kind of the, you know, the dopamine, the serotonin, the melatonin, and the, you know, the overall kind of methylation pathways. Now, this is just one, but if we zoom out, the reason why I'm pointing it, there's, uh, there's several others. So there's uh, MTHF-D1, uh, then there's the BHMY uh, y and so on, BHMT. All of these are kind of playing, you know, their part in the same story. Yeah. And so what we're, you know, a, a next iteration of, of the dashboard interface will actually be combining not just the single genes, but the totality of pathways, like how one pathway is affected, how another pathway is affected, etc. Now we can be focusing them on areas, like area over on the left side, yeah. but later we'll even go all the way down to the pathway level. But what I'm learning from here, you know, for example, when, when you do click through those through those genes, is that, for example, you have a certain, you know, uh, you know, to some degree, let's say, a reduced, uh, you know, ability in your, you know, folate pathway, uh, elevating your homocysteine levels, uh, you know, um, and and you know, kind of lowering your ability to, you know, synthesize choline, synthesize, you know, some of these areas. So, with that said, that kind of one important learning from the genetic that you will see in your recommendations and in your supplements as well on the top, right? So, so it will be coming. With the recommendations of, you know, supplementing not with a vitamin B B nine, but with methyl tetrahydrofolate, so with an activated form of the B B nine, it will be suggesting, you know, what you already are doing a vitamin B twelve supplementation, a zinc uh, and a calcium supplementation, and so on, because those are important pathway uh, parts of this pathway, and it will suggest, uh, you know, um, uh, diet uh, dietary intake of choline. Right. And choline, you can either get again as a supplement or you can get through, you know, eggs, et cetera, et cetera. So let's let's see if it's connecting. Let's let's click the PQQ. Here oh. you will be able to see how supplements are linked by their you know benefits or the hallmarks, the way, you know, what what you would be getting. Why is it good for me? You know, you, when you click on it, it will show you all the sciences. Right. Yeah. So, okay. for example, if you click on it, it should open. Yeah, you should see all the science behind it. Why oh, is yeah. this you know relevant for me with all the papers, et cetera, how they affect aging. Right. And again, with all the sciences behind that. Right, you know everything yeah. that you know. Oh, how is it about and so on? But let's let's just click on the PGC one alpha, right? Let's so click where? on the gene below. Okay. So, for example, pathways involved. Yeah. Okay. okay. Great. Okay. So you see that, for example, this PGC one alpha. Okay. So if I read about it, um, it it it's basically it's it's slightly in you know slightly impaired. It just it means it's it's got one copy that is less active and one copy that is normally active, right? Yeah. And and when you look at the lifestyle and diet, uh, it will probably recommend yeah supplement with PQQ. So for example, PGC1-alpha is a gene related to, uh, to uh, mitochondrial biogenesis, right? 
So for example, this guy, this guy coordinates how your mitochondria replicate based on the need of the cell, right? So this is like the, the coordinator or the conductor of that process. So, you know, this, uh, you know, your gene is okay, but it's, you know, maybe suboptimal, right? So it's just, you know, suggesting that you should be, you, you can be supplementing with us, you know, a small amount of, of, of PGC1 alpha, for example, right? But again, let, let's, let's now go. So here you see all different types of supplements. Each one has that level of data in terms of the science behind it, the rationale, the, the, the papers published, et cetera. And of right. course, it does show like some nice pictures, you know, where, where, uh, you know, a natural source of that supplement would be, but of course, when you take pills, those are usually extracts from that from that area. But let's go back to the dashboard. Let's go through one story of the digital twin just to show you kind of how that looks like. Sure. So, for example, when you when you when you look into your kind of digital twin, we can maybe go into a cardiovascular area. So again, just think about these areas. Is this is no longer? I mean, this is this is currently we're clicking through. Yeah, but very, you know, very soon you will be just zooming in and out of your body, and that you know, kind of, you can think about it as a multi-layered onion approach. The, the deeper dive we go, the deeper we go into your self, yeah. the more granulated the data becomes, the more particular and relevant to, relevant to that space. But the higher we go, the more uh, summarizable it will become. Right. So. Uh, what we're going to now be, be bringing to the dashboard is that even the front page will actually have immediate, like, these are your kind of most important things to do and so on and so forth. But now if you go, for example, into your vascular health, let's, let's, let's go further into your vascular health, right? So we're starting to see these different types of genes coming through and, and telling you, you know, these are the genes affecting your, let's say, vascular health. I can further click on a particular gene or I can just be reading about the, the summary at the bottom, right? So this is what's happening to your endothelial cells. This is what's happening to inflammation, lipids, and so on. So I can click on each one and it will give you give me explanation of that stuff, right? So I can further go down to my gene level if I want. But let's, let's for the sake of, and it will be showing me again. I mean, if, I, if you want to click, you can click on, a, I don't know, APOC1 or something like that. Click on it once more. And it will take you right to your down. gene, right? Yeah. And then, and then it will, it will, you know, show you again the the the, the data about it, the science behind it, and you know, lifestyle and diet, what you can do. Let's go, let's go, let's go out, yeah. Okay, so we see which blood uh, uh, items are affecting your vascular health, right? So and again, I can be reading what from my blood is impacting my 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 uh, you know different areas. So I can zoom down. I can learn about. Again, the summaries, like, you know, what is affecting my sugars, my inflammation, my lipids, and so on. I can be clicking through those, or I can be clicking on individual blood biomarkers, again, on what they do. And then finally, we can go to gut microbiome. Again, each one of these is clickable, right? It can go all the way to the end, right? But I'm just, you know, for the sake of time, we're trying to keep it high level. Yeah. And again, here, you can go further down. These are your gut microbes affecting your health. Uh, your vascular we're, we're still in the vascular health right this is all down in the blood vessels yeah what you will see in the next iteration of the dashboard is actually instead of clicking through them they will all come together as these bigger chunks of bubbles or data points right yeah. and the size of these will show you a for you your genes are the most highly affecting you your blood is really healthy, but it doesn't play such a significant role. But your microbiome, there's only a few species, but they're really causing havoc, right? Yeah. So in the next iteration, you will actually be able to see 
how much of those are contributing because right now you need to still click the three tabs. The three but tabs, later you right. will actually visualize that because they will actually display to you their overall impact, right? We go up. If we go up, then what you see here, ah, because you haven't filled your questionnaires, there is a change yourself. It's okay, so I have to, I have to work on my questionnaire. I'll, uh, you have to do your question because otherwise in your program, this is, I've only been learning about my, my vascular health now and maybe some details about how I can actually nurture a gene or nurture a gut microbe, right? Yeah. But actually what, what is often for most people, this is too overwhelming, right? Yeah. So what you say is, hey, just tell me about, you know, what should I eat? How should I exercise for my blood vessels? And this is what this tab is all about. It will tell you everything about your diets, your activities, and, and, and your lifestyle that you should be focusing on for your vascular health. And then when you go out and you go into your brain and you go into your mood or anxiety, you will see completely different recommendations, right? Because right, those will be focusing. And so at a high level, then you say, hey, but that gets complicated because now I have to take care of my liver and then I have to take care of my... You already know what's important, right? But at the same time, we will guide you through that. So in the dashboard, you will be able to see in the next iteration, like these are really your red flags. Like you should focus on this first, get that in order, and then you can do the rest, right? But when you go into program instead, and again, now it will be empty because you didn't fill in your questionnaires. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, when you go into program, that high-level summary for your totality of Michael Sean will be there, right? So that will actually tell you, like, overall, if you don't, if you, if everything is too overwhelming, you just want to say, hey, give me my top foods, my top activities, and my top uh, life hacks. It's going to be there, right? Yeah. If okay. I want to really focus, because I know right now it's all about my liver or all about my anxiety, right? Then you have more specific recommendations when you dive deeper in that in that area, right? Great. And I'll be, I'll work on those after we get off the call. I'll, I'll, I'll retake that, that questionnaire for sure. Well, this has been really uh, insightful um, to be able to just see how these things go together. And, and I'm also just really excited to hear about some of the new things that are coming up. Um, I want to point out a really major difference between what we've been doing here and talking about here is that that you get both these kind of generalized suggestions and then the really deep things underneath it. Um, and I think this is a, a, a very big breakthrough for these kinds of uh, testing uh, platforms and stuff like that. And I think I'm also just curious, like where this is heading a little bit more. Um, we can talk about that next. But I just want to say, first of all, I'm, I'm excited by everything that we've done and everything we've seen and the whole process. Uh, leads me to believe that we're at the beginning of something really, really important for people's health. I mean, just the thing like you said about, uh, uh, you know, it's it's not just the the the, the bilirubin being high; it's also the genetic predisposition, and it actually may not be bad. Those two pieces of data, just those two pieces of data alone, may actually have me treat my health entirely differently. And my doctor just basically basically seeing a blood panel, which is about all they've ever looked at anyway, if they've even looked at that, don't really get any of that information. And so they're kind of flying blind as well. And obviously in medical school, we're not trained on this kind of data. You have to be a, a new medical student now to even have the idea that, that, that this could be the way we take care of ourselves, which leads me to believe or lead me, leads me to ask, you know, like, what will we be looking at five years from now? Let's say five years new has been really perfecting this and really helping people to see these things. How does that begin to affect what we consider healthcare these days? Or is there is there a new way that we actually might be able to functionally deal with our bodies differently once we actually have this data, especially from like for myself five years from now, if I've 
continued this work with new and kind of tracked this stuff longitudinally, where will I be? Where will we, where will we all be? Where will, will, will medicine be or, or, or healthcare be in that, in that new place? Yeah, so, so that's, that's a really great question. Yeah, so, so here we are now talking about two, uh, I, I would say two overarching uh, um, words. One is health span and the other one is lifespan. Okay. Right? And so the first one that we are addressing with this platform is the health span. So what we want to achieve, and, and let's say if we, you know, if we put ourselves five years into the future, I mean, what you saw today is, you know, is the first, uh, you know, release of, you know, an engine that looks at the totality of data, right? And it's still, you know, it, it honestly, it's, it's, I think it's super exciting, but it is still challenging to understand, right? So we're working hard day and day and day to make that simpler, easier, and so on. But what we wanted to create was an engine that is built on science. So what is really important is that once you get to the bottom of any type of data or information, there's all the scientific evidence behind that. So there's no, you know, BS around, you know, uh, the stuff that that is, is coming through, right? It's right. all like, what's the latest in terms of the scientific evidence? Now, what we're doing now is bringing that, you know, easier and easier to understand and easier and easier to interact, right? And with the AI explosion that is now happening with, you know, kind of large language models and so on, what, what an AI, you know, what a, a GPT currently will not be able to, you know, decode is, you know, your genes and your microbes and connect that two together, right? So that really requires a whole different types of, of uh, you know, uh, uh, algorithms and models and so on. But, you know, a language model can then pick up these prompts that you've now seen deep diving and actually talk to you as your either physician or a coach or a friend, right? And if I, if I know that, you know, if you're a, you know, a 35-year-old mother of two with a, you know, a growing ambitious career or you're a 65-year-old grandfather just retired and so on, you know, one is, uh, you know, I don't know, an, uh, an architect or a lawyer. The other one is, you know, maybe even a retired professor. The language model will be able to interact with you on the same level of understanding and excitement as you are, right? So you can say, hey, I feel fatigued today. You know, you know, uh, something is, you know, uh, you know, how can I, you know, have more energy or what is driving my, you know, whatever. That engine will actually know all of your biology. But we'll also know all of your wearables data, your physiology, and the way your body has been responding to your, you know, diets, your stress, your environment related to your gut microbes, related to your genes, and so on. And it will really be able to guide you through that, you know, health optimization process. Where we want to get is with this continuous tracking that it becomes as non-invasive as possible so you know kind of it's as unburdening to you as possible but at the same time you always have that health coach you know health guide you know in your pocket with you so that you know um at some point when something does go offline you know does go off you know in, in in the wrong direction it's an immediate red flag immediately you know hey your stress levels are going up your you know hrv is dropping you know, maybe because of this, you know, your inflammation is is, is increasing, etc. Right? Um, whatever happens in life, you know, your gut microbiome is changing, etc. You take a preventive action way ahead of time before you actually start getting into a space of yeah. disease, right? Same, so we, we want to 
what we want to prevent is this, you know, onset of chronic disease, illness, decline, and so on, right? So I think that the first stage of where we get in five years is that people really start leaving this, you know, uh, informed uh, way of healthy life where they are, you know, informed by the actual data of how their body responds rather than by, you know, what the latest trend in nutrition or, you know, whatever, you know, newspaper uh, mentioned, et cetera, right? So they actually see the evidence. And with that, you know, digital twin interface, that's, a, you, know, a, you know, a body of evidence accumulated through years and years of data, right? So you really know how your, your body responds and you're catching any, let's say, unhealthy trends way ahead of time. You're optimizing your biology, you're optimizing your hormones, your, you know, energy levels, your muscle recovery and so on, right? And with that, we're kind of setting ourselves for the next cycle of the longevity, right? Where really the exciting stuff kicks in, right? Because again, why now? A lot of people are asking why now, right? It's because today we have this ability to measure. The data is actually finally becoming, you know, available and affordable to everyone. The power of computing with machine learning and AI and these types of, you know, complex processing is finally, you know, allowing us to actually see the totality of it. And by starting to track it now, we can see any trends, how they evolve through time. So we catch them, you know, properly and we start optimizing our biology today at any time in life, right? So even what for a young athlete, you want to make sure your peak recovery, peak nutrition, peak performance is based on your biology, not on what the general recommendations and guidelines are. Because we see even Olympic athletes, some of them, you know, respond phenomenally to certain types of diets, but they don't, you know, some others don't because their, you know, gut microbiome is different, yeah? So, and then, like I said, this puts us in, in a great position that with an optimal shape in health and preventive that chronic illness, we're catching the trends of this regenerative medicine that is also now being developed at an incredibly rapid pace, right? Yeah. But even the regenerative medicine where we're thinking about, you know, not just the stem cells and the CRISPRs and the 3D organ printings and all these other crazy stuff. This is all in the labs now happening already kind of, you know, I mean, this is not even decades away, right? But all of that will be personalized and precision driven, you know, right? You can't just apply any type of, of you know, uh, this, this very, very, you know, hallmark specific intervention in a generic, you know, one size fits all approach. You will really need to know your data. You will need to own your biology, right? And so in a way, we're kind of creating the vehicle for you to start really, you know, um, optimizing this, you know, you know, one single vehicle that we have in life uh, to keep on kind of nurturing it in the optimal shape for, you know, all the, not just today's technologies, but also for the future technologies to be able to, to apply to you, you know. Yeah, this, I mean, like I've been, I've been working in, with functional medicine doctors and, and longevity and reading a bunch of kind of self, consider myself like a, a, to a small degree, uh, knowledgeable about the area. And and I still, I still treat my body like everybody else's body. I, I follow dietary recommendations, not based upon my own biology, but just upon what I read and what seems to make sense and where I want to go with, with my health and my longevity. But I mean, 
it's quite possible I'm not doing the right things. I know that very clearly, especially even going through some of our data. It's like, wow, I actually have an opportunity to um, to make uh, my health better based on my body. And then the other thing that kind of goes up, I've been with my wife for uh, 30, it'll be 30 years in, in December we've been together and we eat the same food, but we have different bodies. And yeah. you know, and and we do very similar exercise and we do very similar things. And I, and you know that that's probably worked out okay because in general we've been in a healthy range. But looking forward into the future, like I I think it'd be great for us to diverge. So you know, maybe there's some dishes on the table that are just for me and some that are just for her. That could be really um, a real breakthrough. And that the yeah. that there's not a one size fits all. We've known this for a long time, but there's not a one size fits all. That's saying it is one thing, but actually knowing what fits you is a completely yeah. different thing and a completely different uh, proposal. I agree 100%. I mean, look, I mean, it was, the, again, the same story with me and my wife, you know, uh, same thing, you know, I mean, we've, you know, we've been together, you know, for 25 plus years, um, uh, an amazing journey. But um, again, we have, you know, we live same environment, same food, same lifestyle, same lifestyle, same everything, but very different genetics. Right. Healthy genetics overall, but on minute details, you know, small pathways just significantly divergent. So, our our let's say supplements in terms of the the you know vitamin mineral support, you know, the certain types of you know polyphenols we need to you know uh, provide our you know our, ourselves to nurture, very different in terms of food sensitivities, you know. And again, it doesn't come from from allergy tests, but even you know it comes from from these small diets that you're not. We're not talking about allergic, right? You know what you're allergic to, but it's about the stuff that you're unaware that you you know you eat and digest. You on the tongue, it feels oh my god, what a fantastic meal! I am I'm loving it, right? But it's causing this tiny, tiny chronic inflammation. You feel bloated. It's just something that is stressing your body, and you're just not knowing what is causing yeah. it. It turns out there is a, just a couple of you know elements in, in your diet you know my wife eliminates you know x y and z and i eliminate abc and and it's different it's not this it really isn't the same and once you do that and you see how that converges in the in, in the kids where some actually get a combination some actually right, get right. just the opposite stuff right you can start creating a family kind of meal planning yeah. almost out of it right <laughs> um but it's it's so amazing because it really helps you you know, helps your your brain and your body to just really always feel energized and at its best, right? It doesn't have that unease of, of bloatiness and so on, but also you see it in the biomarkers because what is the major drive of especially the, the, the cognitive but also cardiovascular aging is the chronic inflammation, right? We even call it inflammaging, right? Yeah. Um, so catching that stuff that you're not even aware, like we're not talking about acute inflammation from a bacterial disease or something, right? We're talking about that low level that is just persistently irritating, right? Right. That's what we want to avoid. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to mention, because I haven't done anything with it myself, but, but new provides uh, supplements. Is that a custom supplementation based upon what you've learned through my testing? Is that that those supplements are the supplements are generalized supplements? Yeah, exactly. So, so, so th those would be specifically tailored to you, right? Okay. So, so indeed, every single person, the way we approach currently, but again, this is going to be an evolutionary process. Right now, the supplements that we do are really kind of the Formula One or the Bentley of the, of the, let's say, longevity approach to supplementation, right? So, we really look into the depth of, you know, what we first want to make sure to drive that 
you know, mitochondrial growth, you know, get rid of the cellular senescence, you know, provo- provide the right type of, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, DNA repair, cell stability, all these kind of thing, energy metabolism, and then, you know, kind of recycling processes in your kind of, you know, nightly sleep, uh, you know, nightly uh, uh, rhythm, et cetera. So, so there is a certain baseline that all cells require. But then on top of that, for example, there are certain types of vitamins that for her would actually be toxic, while as for you, they would actually be quite okay, right? So, 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 um, you know, once you get the baseline done, which is really kind of the fundamental cell biology, and then that's where kind of a lot of a lot of the core expenses are. What you really want to make sure is that you provide that nurture to those. You know, we were talking about the folate, the nor, you know, the neurotransmitter pathways. There are certain areas in terms of you know, kind of both the, the lipid metabolism, the you know, vitamin and mineral metabolism, you know, etc. Um, so, so all of those then get fine tuned and adjusted based on your current state. So, what we are looking at is both supporting your gene function, right? Yeah. So that those are properly stimulated, not overstimulated, not under understimulated. Then we provide the right type of environment for the gut microbiome so that they have the the right type of you know uh, interaction with the epithelial cells and so on. And then, of course, we want to address any types types of of um, uh, imbalance or or you know kind of uh, uh insufficiency in your blood right so whether there is something that is too high or too low etc right so those get tweaked as well um what we will be doing in the future is of course providing even greater kind of product ranges and price elasticity so while right now we go for that you know mitochondria cell senescence genome stability all this kind of stuff with all the kind of very very you know complex you know uh, uh molecules um, you know, what we want to make sure is that we also can bring that down to, you know, the affordability level to just about anyone, right? So even now, I think that, you know, the, 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 the pricing is, is really, you know, I mean, you, you see your supplement that co- are coming out of the system. You go on Amazon, you, you, you're, you know, you would be paying like five, six hundred dollars for that, right? So that we still, you know, yeah. so we're, we're, we're still half the price of that. And, and it's still, you know, I'm aware it's, it's not cheap, but I think it really works, right? Uh, I mean, we've seen that it really works on a lot of people. So, so, but you know, we we are still working on 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 making the products even even more affordable, even more, uh, you know, more uh, accessible. Well, that's what we want. We want. We don't just want the the data, or the the nice interface. We actually want to make a difference in our life or make a difference in yeah, our health. So, yeah, I think that's something yeah. you guys are offering. I mean, it's not uh, not required, of course, but I think uh, anybody would want to then take the next step and say, hey, what happens if yeah. I supplement against at least for six months or so to see what happens, retest again and see how things change. Exactly, exactly. And I think that that's the idea. And again, to your point, right? So, you know, everybody who's on the program and, you know, they they kind of retest, you know, with every retesting, you know, the the formula may change, right? Because again, we may see that something was really kind of, you know, high, you know, inflammatory or, you know, your lipid was in complete dysregulation and so on. Now we've actually been able to kind of normalize and stabilize that, right? Now you've got microbiome has improved and so on. So we can start really addressing all the other, you know, aspects of your biology. So it's really continuously adapting and evolving types of formulation. Yeah, and I think, and then then inside the program, obviously there's some foods you recommend we eat. I mean, how's that going to evolve? Are we going to evolve to even more um, specific kinds of diet planning and stuff like that that become available? That, that's the idea, yeah. That's the idea that, you know, ultimately we want to, I mean, we want to create an ecosystem, right? So on one hand side, you know, you have you have all the recommendations in terms of your supplements on your app, right? Yeah. We're not locking you in, right? right? So if, if 
if you want, you walk into a Holland and Barrett or you go online to Amazon, you can buy all the stuff. But you can also get it from us. It's going to be convenient, right? Yeah. And, you know, quality control, really, you know, top ingredients, et cetera. The same, the same is elsewhere. We are, you know, with the, with the food engine we created, I think we're, we've probably created the, you know, the world's most advanced food engine that's on the planet uh, today. So it's really, I mean, it goes down to biochemistry of every single thing. We're not like, you know, how, what is known in the literature about broccoli and your, you know, gut microbes. It's actually what is the biochemistry of that broccoli and how are the how are the kind of chemical compositions based on your typical you know uh, uh, dietary intake of that you know broccoli chunk correlating with the blood biochemistry with the microbiome biochemistry etc 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 so with that we can actually calculate very precisely all types of meals that you might be thinking about, right? So while today the engine goes to the degree of saying, hey, these foods are great for you and for such and such, and here's all the science, in the very near-term iteration, you will be able to actually say, like, you know, I'm liking these meal plans, I'm like, you know, but I'm a vegetarian, I want to choose this out, et cetera, and can be creating the whole meal plans and shopping this for, et cetera. And wow. then again, you can plug that into your, you know, food supplier, you know, your food delivery or whatever, or you can go, you know, create your shopping list. So again, what we'll try, what we'll try to create is a platform that is as usable to the end consumer as possible, that it drives that value of I'm doing stuff that is really relevant for myself right and if if i want to really then take into consideration the rest of my family well you know for my wife i exclude this for my son i and this and so on so all of a sudden i get a really very precise you know approach to what is really data driven and, and again then you know by connecting some of us that are you know the geeks beyond geeks that have the glucose monitors that have all the wearables right you take that meal plan and you see the actual results, you see yeah. the impact on your glucose, you see the impact on your nightly, you know, sleep and recovery, et cetera, right? I mean, for me, it's just a fistful of pistachios. They have a whole bunch of uh, of, 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 mel of melatonin in there, right? Um, I mean, just if, if you need to snack, right, that's the best snack that you have for your for, for your night pattern, right? Exactly. So again, these are just small, 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 easy things, right? Well, I'm uh, I'm really excited about it. I was excited from the first time. I don't know how I stumbled across it. It might have been an email, probably not, but something you know pretty close in in the the early stages of your life cycle. Um, I've, I've looked at and experimented with some of the other things that are out there. This is the most complete solution that I've seen. I'm super happy that it's in Europe for those of us who are Europe based to actually have this happening and this kind of breakthrough technological. Uh, uh, precision medicine approach being there, also functional medicine, I want to say, is, is what we're talking about in a lot of ways. And uh, I'm excited to see where we go from here. I'm excited to help you guys in your your, your journey and giving you some user feedback about what, what we're experiencing. But so, thus far, we think that, um, yeah, you have the most amazing thing going right now. We're really, really excited to see what the future is, not only for ourselves, but for all of all of humanity. You know, we we have the opportunity now to begin to have this precision medicine delivered, or maybe even that, you know, like precision lifestyle, like how to eat and behave according to our, our specific bodies and needs. And uh, that will lead us all, I think, to much healthier and happier lives. So thank you for all the hard work. I uh, thank your team. I know there's lots and lots of people behind you guys and, and things you're doing. And uh, we're really excited to continue the conversation. No, exciting. No, glad, glad to glad to be interacting and uh, always happy to jump on a on a call like that and dive deep into biology. Um, so it's it's I think it's super exciting where the journey is going, but also 
you know, talking to guys like you who are, you know, really knowledgeable about the feed is really super, you know, it, it's really great for us to get, you know, feedback in terms of what works, what doesn't, you know, uh, because we want to really make sure that we develop, you know, a platform that is, you know, fun, exciting, brings the beauty of, of human body, the human biology to everyone, democratizes this, you know, myth of, of complexity, but also it stays true to the, you know, to the science, right? It really stays true to what we do know, what we don't know, where's the newest evidence and so on, right? So even with that, we try to bring that that continuous, you know, insights as part of that, you know, regular engagement with the end, you know, end consumer, because we, we bring the excitement of, of scientific discoveries and of, of yourself, uh, you know, hopefully indigestible information, right? And then make it fun. The Boldly Now Show, igniting the world of burning desire, big ideas, and bold action. Boldly Now is an initiative of the Generative Futures Initiative, generating a thriving future for humanity.